I'm me, you're you, and this is Wiggly's Book Club, episode 008. Wiggly's Book Club is brought to you every two weeks as a part of the GiantMediaBall.com lineup. We are recording live from Sloppy Joe's Bar in the scenic West Ward of Easton, Pennsylvania. Without further ado, let's go to Wiggly in Sloppy Joe's Bar for a reading of the mid-1900s Viewmaster presentation of Little Black Sambo. Okay. Viewmaster, one reel, seven three-dimensional pictures, seven wonders of the world. Special instructions. This pictures, the pictures in this reel are made on full-color Kodachrome film, and reasonable care should be exercised in handling. Do not touch the pictures with fingers. Clean, your so- clean with soft cloth or camel's hair brush. Do not store in hot places. Keep real in carton when not in use. Sawyer's Incorporated, Portland, Oregon, printed in USA. I don't think there's a date on this. Um, on the book, just copyright Sawyer's. And the real also does not have a copyright. Wait. Uh, there, there is one here. I think it's 1948, but uh, unfortunately, I don't have my magnifying glass in here. Let's see if this ashtray works. I think it's just give me a number. But I, I'm pretty sure this is 1948. Um, I talked to some people about initially doing this and... I wanted to read in Little Black Sambo, and I wanted to. They well, they advised me that I, I, they they sort of scoffed at me or advised me against it or said why or other things like this, but most of them didn't because they understand me and they understand my feelings on the mythogenetic race. And if you want to look more into that and uh, you know this hatred being baseless, not only baseless but. Wrong, like baseless is already wrong, but this is purposefully and incredibly wrong. Like the opposite end of the spectrum is what hatred is based upon. And I'm going to get into why, uh, how how this was as a child, 1948. Um, of course, I was not born until 66, but I definitely remember Little Black Sambo and reading about Little Black Sambo. And in fact, on the back of a menu, a little, uh, little, what do you call these, paper placemats in a diner, and a diner was called Sambo's. And I used to love to go to Sambo's. But the reason I decided to do it, uh, to read this, even though it is uh, offensive. I think believe it's offensive to humanity as a whole. But I, I, I also 
want to explain when it became offensive to me and other people I know, actually. And I'll get to do that because this is only a seven, seven, uh, seven three-dimensional pictures in full-color chromacomb. Now, I won't, I won't be uh, Kodachrome, <laughs> Kodak. I won't be, of course, showing this because that doesn't make any sense. But if you didn't know, Viewmasters came with a little booklet. So first I'll explain the backdrop of uh, Viewmaster, what they were all about. And this is completely off the top of my head. I don't know. I'm not a Viewmaster expert. I just know that my mom worked at Kodak when I was young. Uh, Eastman Kodak, as I bring up many times. She worked for Eastman Kodak in just like a developing office. And they did other type of work. But they also sold you know, film and, and things like this. But they had a, a, a rack a spinning rack, like much like you would see, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't see comic book racks like this anymore. You used to have them at Seven Eleven and whatnot. Uh, you know, maybe they still, maybe some shops still have them. But anyway, they had a you know a spinning rack, uh, like you would see sunglasses on, maybe except that you could stick shit in it. And one thing that you would stick in this it was a Viewmaster because it was a Viewmaster rack, and you know it was great to push the the. Uh, gimmick around and, and look at all the reels and the, the packages there. Now, I did not have Talking Viewmaster, nor do I remember there being Talking Viewmaster there. But what you have to realize is I'm three. I'm around three. So my memory of everything is is uh, probably not that good. And the only thing that jumped, that the things that jump out at me were... Uh, tons of scenic stuff. One of my favorite ones being about weird animals. Like I saw the sloth for the first time, and you see these in three dimensions. And I think Viewmaster is still relevant today. Now, one some company bought it out, and I I, I can't remember if it's Kenner or uh, yeah, I believe it's probably Kenner. I, I could be mistaken, or Mattel even, and. You know, unfortunately, they they painted it all like baby colors, and and you know it comes packed in with planes or you know Wally -E or something or Disney. So it's completely pandering to children, not a family fun event. And as soon as they started releasing Viewmasters on these blister packs without the book, it it, it lost all of its. <laughs> its breath it lost its scope of what this could mean um as opposed to sitting down and playing a video game or what have you now we have 3d television and all this other that and the other but it doesn't really matter uh, like when you when you watched uh, bugs bunny on the few the view masters or many of the other animated characters they would be done in this claymation type of uh, of look. This um, uh, Rankin Bass type of style doll movement things, and Little Black Sambo is no different. That's the style of artwork they do on here. 
so Viewmaster was very interesting. Uh, there's a lot more about it, but I'm at Sloppy Joe's and I got to read. And what are we? What are we looking at here? Six, seven, seven, something, something. Seven o three. Thank you. Seven o three. I'm gonna go with six. I'm gonna go with seven. So I'm going to read Little Black Sambo, a little little bit of backstory on Little Black Sambo. I don't think I did Viewmaster justice, but I'm moving on. Uh, oh, yeah. So somebody would, you normally would have this booklet. Now, when I was a kid, um, there's like actually two writers. Now, they didn't have to necessarily be two writers because they might have been the same person. But you get like a little less than a tweet in characters that were on the Viewmaster disc. Maybe, maybe a tweet. I'm not sure. But when you stick the Viewmaster in the reel, of course, you have duplicates of, of each of the seven slides. So you have uh, 14 slides. And the way a 3D camera works is you have two different vantage points, just like your eyeballs. So you have two cameras that are taking a single uh, a picture at the same time of the, of the same subject. Subject. Oh, burp, by the way. And then you you isolate your eyeballs into looking into this viewmaster. That's all what it's called. And of course, this came out when the when they were just the solid black metal viewmasters with the with the wonderful metal woody woody on it uh, instead of like the plastic. <laughs> you know what the hell you call them? Pushy. Pushy slide, the, the slide project, the slide advancer, I should say. So when they separate your eyeballs, or your, each eyeball is looking at the um, the one camera on the right or the left, and then you see a three-dimensional image because they're, they're different, and that's how you triangulate with your eyeballs. So if you only have one eye, Viewmaster kind of sucks, and a Viewmaster projector was always silly to me because it's like, well... Don't you want to see Viewmaster? Isn't 3D like what the Viewmaster did? Because before the lighted Viewmaster, which I was fortunate enough to have, as I mentioned, um, from Eastman Kodak. Oh, yeah, I was mentioning the other things I remember. The Sloth, uh, Brady Bunch, Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls. Those were the types of, of things I would get. And then, of course, I would get... Um, slides that I mean uh, packs that were more fun than that but they came in a pack and each pack usually had three reels and uh, now into the stereoscopic happening here so you would have seven places to advance the screen and then inside the viewmaster itself there was a little hole near the the top that you could see uh, perpendicular to the to the wheel the reel and there would be numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So you knew where you were in in space here in a series of the um, the story. So you would get a but you would get a book with it, and the book would go in a lot more detail. Like <laughs> there's this one book that I read the Chiz about this physics uh, that I got her. You know, I'm sure all of it's still relevant, but it's physics. So most of it is. It's just that we've advanced a lot since then. Ten twenty four. Thank you, ten twenty four. Holy cripes. Might go a little long because there's a lot of backstory to this this one. So you get this booklet and it would 
become a real event. Now, I didn't have brothers and sisters that could sit there and read me this booklet. So when I was younger, I pretty much just shoved it in my Viewmaster and read, read the condensed blurb on, uh, on the little area that you would look through. So each number would have a tiny blurb. And then in, in the booklet, you would have a, maybe a paragraph or two that would talk about scene one. If I look on scene one of Little Black Sambo, I see Black Mumbo and Little Black Sambo, and that's all it says. Now, if I go in a book, it's a whole paragraph about scene one and it's set up and everything else. So when I was a kid, I just read, you know, the little blurbs and then looked at the pictures and oohed and odd and the background, the foreground, the wonderful sets that were built to do these. As I mentioned, Bugs Bunny, Donald Duck with Chip and Dale. Now, that, that was a three-reel, but each each one of the three-reels reels was a separate story. And Little Kittles, that was one that I absolutely flipped for, was Little Kittles, to not find out that they were dollies uh, until like two, two years ago, three years ago. Something like that. So when he got rid of the book, the you know, that's the event. I could go through these seven slides in like zip zip, you know, less than a minute. That's not really an event. It's nothing you're going to spend five, ten dollars for whatever it might cost today to produce these things. Eh, maybe only three bucks, who knows. But still, you don't get a booklet with it. So it's it's not something that you're going to sit down and do with somebody, or in my case, sit down by yourself and do with somebody. And as I mentioned, there's two writers, one person that does a synopsis, and it doesn't always line up with what's going on in the, in the booklet. And then when they brought out Talking View Masters, which unfortunately I was not uh, privy to until maybe in the past 10 years, Talking View Masters, now you had another writer because the writer would write the dialogue uh, that's being said uh, through the Talking View Master like this. Steve, Skipper and Bigfoot. And, you know, it sounds like a G.I. Joe because all it is is a, it's a plastic record made out of cheap plastic with a cheap plastic needle, I guess you could say, attached directly to a plastic speaker diaphragm so that's all it is it's a belt that's driving the wheel that's stuck to the back of this cardboard and then the wheel is getting um that has been grooved with uh, with sound has uh, if you want to find out about how to make a record uh, you know listen to a wiggly world as well because maybe i talk about that i'm not sure uh, but, you know, it, it, it vibrates the little plastic needle inside the Viewmaster, and then there wasn't even volume. Their volume would come out later, but it was honestly just one bar of plastic that had a needle on one end and bumped up against a speaker on the other end, and the speaker also made of plastic, so that vibrated uh, from the needle vibrating through the grooves. But then, so you had another writer, and sometimes these, these would be, um, you know, well-produced, sometimes not, but definitely studio-produced. So, yeah, somebody had to write that dialogue or the, the, what was going to be said or played or whatever during that that real uh, scene. Then you had the little blurb, the, the, your Twitter on the reel, and then you had the book. So that's fun. To me, that's fun. When I go and watch, you know, an Incredible Hawk or a Spider-Man or Spidey-Man and Captain America, uh, 
when I watch the Thor, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, Submariner, and then the DC heroes, a lot of moral heroes you wouldn't you wouldn't think uh, had things released. But you know that was what, that's what was happening in the seventies, uh, uh, late seventies. So uh, here's a little Black Sambo. This, of course, once again, I said it would be released back when it was the the steel, the metal Viewmaster system. This was in a one-view sleeve uh, with one reel and then the booklet. Oh, right, I didn't get into Little Black Sambo himself. 1520, holy Christ. So... Why did I like Little Black Sambo? Once again, I was I was a kid. This is before I even went to school. And I used to love to go to Sambo's restaurant when we'd drive down to Florida or somewhere down south. Mostly Florida. We, we, we don't think we knew anyone down south. We just would go visit the south when we were uh, getting to Florida and driving. So I think I only went there maybe twice or three times, but I really enjoyed it. And, you know, because it hit it once on the way down, once on the way back. <laughs> Hack them. Uh, allergies, really bad. Plus, I, I was up for like uh, t- two and a half days recently. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, up till, uh, up till uh, two days ago. It's wonderful. Um, yesterday morning, actually. So... Uh, pardon me, here I go. Well, this is how it always is, actually. So we would go to this place called Sambo's, and on the walls they would have the draw- drawings of this book. This book came out turn of the century, and what I mean when I say turn of the century, I always mean 20th century. So I think 1899, to be exact, I'm pretty sure, is when this was written. This was written about a little black Sambo, a boy that was from southern India and he was black blackish he was he was dark he was dark skinned indian and it would it would be and you're, you're going to see that um the in this story uh you're like why why the hell is why are tigers involved with this and and he's in a jungle this isn't a forest scene of a what would be termed a pickaninny um character that this doesn't look like an indian kid and and why is someone from the south a, a black family from the south and that's the term i'll use because that's what he's called little black sambo uh, listen once again listen to a wiggly world for my uh ideas on on race and uh and how that is there is no there's the human race and that's it and melatonin in your skin and are different shades doesn't really matter and doesn't indicate any type of uh, social construct of race that we have invented uh but little black sambo you know this is not what sambo's restaurant looked like it wasn't an indian food restaurant it was a diner and it had the depictions that little black sambo would take on during the early 20th century of the um now see it's I guess it's still considered black exploitation, black exploitation. But I, ref, I, I reserve black exploitation for the films of the seventies. Uh, this is black exploitation, or uh, what people that couldn't pass 
as white and some whites couldn't pass as white too but if a black person could pass as white they would get treated better and if um going back to the time of slavery that's where this whole piccaninny idea came about uh, and the term piccaninny because it was uh, a slave that uh, you know did the liked being a slave basically liked their master and and uh, you know the yesum and all that business and we would see this all you know we would see like jesus i didn't even i didn't even under, understand al jolson i knew who he was i knew that he sang mammy i knew that uh that bugs bunny imitated al jolson i didn't know he was you know a semite um which is of no consequence, but it, it, it's it's really strange how I, I mean I, I guess I knew he was a, a lighter skinned guy under there, but I didn't really put it together. You know, I didn't put black. I didn't understand blackface very well. Um, you know, people really give it to Al Jolson, Al Jolson, because that was a cartoon, Al Jolson, because. That's what that was his main shtick was was blackface, but most people like, like Fred Astaire, thinks he's a fantastic dancer. Of course, Gene Kelly, you know, people like him more because of his trousers and his uh, his handsome good looks and everything else. But but it's it's said about uh, Fred Astaire that he never stopped dancing and I always love Fred Astaire but Jesus Christ Bing Crosby Fred Astaire go back and watch Holiday Inn and uh you will not believe this I mean I I've seen I've seen um Fred Astaire in blackface before in, in another motion picture that I happen to really like but it just has one number in blackface where you know he tap dances and stuff and there's going to be big differences. I don't want to get too delve too deep in this. But I'm just trying to uh, set up my social atmosphere. But but if you want to, I uh, just have your mouth on the floor. Not necessarily because of the blackface. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it for you. But you're in for a surprise. It's a celebration of Abraham Lincoln and Holiday Inn. Is of course an inn that's open on holidays. But yeah. Uh, Uncle Remus and everything else happens here, and uh, you know I I I, uh, I don't remember those parts from when I originally watched it. And it's considered a, a Christmas movie, um, even though Christmas is uh, is only one of the, the holidays. The holiday that I'm talking about is Abraham Lincoln's birthday or death day or Abraham Lincoln Day or something, President's Day maybe. But uh, if this was an actual celebration like it was portrayed on Holiday Inn, holy mackerel, people were fucking nuts. We already know they were nuts. We already know man's inhumanity to man. So to me as a kid, Black Sambo was as much of a hero as as Spider-Man was, as the Hulk was, as um, Dondi in fact, I liked him better than Dondi. Dondi's eyes were just two dots. Liked him better than Annie. Annie was blind. She didn't have any eyeballs. So Dondi and Annie get together and then they'll have normal eyes. They're kids. But I mean, he was just as much a character as, as those people. He, he didn't, it didn't smack of, of, uh, you know, step and fetch it type of, um, bullshit like that. 
And I certain, certainly didn't understand the, the concept of pickaninny, and as I mentioned, not even a blackface. I would later learn of blackface uh, being uh, problematic. But Sambo's was an actual restaurant. It was a restaurant that was started, I believe, in the 50s. And it, I would go there, of course, in the 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s. As I mentioned, I was three around that time. So I would just see this little kid... And, you know, I, I didn't understand that you know, you know, cartoons are drawn goofy. You know what I mean? They're drawn silly. So seeing a, a, a small child with, a, a, with very white lips um, and that, that, that type of black exploitation defiler, it's, it's defiling, in my opinion. It's degrading. The people behind it were problematic, not the people necessarily that, that read it. And even some of the people that that drew this might have considered it just as innocent, you know? This is, this is very, it's a very gray area on some of this. On some of this stuff, it's a very gray area um, as far as motive and as far as intent and, and, uh, and other things. Like, I can watch something like Scrub Me Mama with a Boogie Beat. I can't remember the exact name of the, I don't think it's called Lazy Town, but it might be, and that's where they went. Now, <laughs> saying it's Lazy Town and it's just all people of d- darker skin tones is is kind of you know that's that's horrible. Um, and the daughter that comes there is very light skinned, and you know, th- I mean, this this is whole in in insults to people with that other self-identify as the same uh, i'm not even gonna get to this story 2432 i'm i gotta i gotta leave i'm gonna read this this is gonna be the longest episode of wiggly's book club because i think this part's important the, the whole setup i went to little black samples thought he was a comic book character uh the end i loved the story love thought he was a brave boy um I could identify with them. It was funny, and then we'll talk, we'll go right into the story now. But uh, th- basically, that's it. You know, there wasn't any difference between looking at Little Black Sambo and looking at Charlie Brown. I, I didn't I didn't see that this was somebody mocking a um, a, a a culture or a um, ethnicity or whatever you want to call it, because I don't know what to call it anymore. <laughs> you know, ever since I ever since I'm try to watch my vernacular on things like race, uh, it's it's hard for me to know what to call things that other people. I mean, I I, I end up calling it what people can uh, relate to or you know grew up with, but I would like to get to that day where. That's not how you do it. And once again, listen to a Wheelie World for a little bit more. So here we go, Little Black Sambo. Uh, this is uh, Viewmaster presents Little Black Sambo, illustrated with seven scenes in three-dimensional full-color Kodachrome. And on the back, we have Viewmaster presenting the following fairy tales. Fairy tales. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood was FT1. Uh, I'm not going to... You can go FT... Dash number from here. FT1, Little Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel, Jack and the Beanstalk, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Cinderella, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, 
The Three Little Pigs, Little Black Sambo was F.T. Eight fairy tale burp burp by the way and then the ugly duckling now putting little black sambo between three little pigs and ugly duckling now that's the first time i noticed that and that's kind of <laughs> kind of a shitty place to put them seven eight nine so there were nine fairy tales hence the ft i am assuming at this time each fairy tale is illustrated with seven full color stereoscopic screens mounted on an interchangeable reel for viewing in a Viewmaster stereoscope. Copyright Sawyer's Inc., Portland, Oregon, printed in USA. Uh, uh, and this, uh, this, this, this chain of Sambo's restaurants, as I mentioned, they, they lasted well into the 70s, in fact, in probably into the early 80s. And at one time, this is not an isolated joint, at one time there were 12,000 of them? Or 144,000? I'm getting... I'm getting uh, my memory is either going from 120 to 144, but somewhere around there, um, 100, 100, and and wait, am I wait, am I am I moving too many zeros around? <laughs> Maybe 1,200. Uh, yeah, that that might be uh, 12. I meant at 12, like 1,200, not 12,000. But then again, I don't know, because uh, I don't remember, and sleep, and and beer. So here we go with Little Black Sam. Oh, by the way, so as I was mentioning, this was supposed to be an Indian boy. And he wore tur- turban and all this other stuff. Here, you know, it's a, it's a the typical um, Uncle Tom bullshit looking uh, renderings. I mean, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But it's it's very it's somewhat derogatory, you know. It's the mammy shit and the pappy shit, and so let's just get in a little black sambo. But keep in mind that this was written as a story about a little Indian boy, an in, a fellow from India, that was from the south and of a darker complexion, and that was his name. Much like you would give people a nickname now based on some physical attribute of themselves. Uh, that would be like, old oh, Black Charlie. You know, let's say this guy's so black he's purple with, with even blacker freckles going on. You might call him old Black Charlie. Like He might call himself that because he's very black. <laughs> not, not a derogatory thing towards a race. So I'm not sure. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of... Uh, purpose behind little black sambo or what have you i don't know if it was meant as an insult or it probably was because there was black mambo and black jumbo so let's read scene one little black sambo once upon a time there was a little black boy a little yeah the the little black boy and his name was little black sambo and those are all capitalized His father was called black jumbo and his mother was called black mumbo one day black mumbo made her him a beautiful little red coat and a pair of beautiful blue trousers and scene two and black jumbo went to the bazaar and bought him a beautiful green umbrella and a lovely little pair of purple shoes with crimson soles and crimson linings so he's decked to the nines here little black sambo his mom makes him um coat and uh trousers and his pop buys him a umbrella and shoes like that. 
and it, the umbrella motif and all these other motifs, as I mentioned, this, this whole this whole story, and I don't know if there's even any stories beyond this, because I can't remember. I, I think this was the same fucking story I would read on the back of the, the placemats. Black Sambo put on his fine clothes and went for a walk in the jungle. In the jungle! <laughs> okay? We, this is in, you're trying to make it look like, uh, you know, Louisiana, and you got the jungle. Well, I guess you have, you know, swamps and things like that, and you have, if you go down to, to uh, Florida, you have your palm trees as you he start heading down in that way, but at no point do I think it's a jungle, it's more of a forest. Uh, what's the difference? I don't know. You have a marsh and you have shit like that. Here's scene three. And by and by, he met a tiger who said, Little Black Sambo, I'm going to eat you up. Oh, please, Mr. Tiger, said Little Black Sambo. Don't eat me up, and I'll give you my beautiful little red coat. So the tiger put on the red coat and went around saying, Now I'm the grandest tiger in the jungle. And by and by, he met another tiger who wanted to eat him up. So the little black Sambo parted with his blue trousers, and the second tiger went away saying, Now I'm the grandest tiger in the jungle. Scene four. And little black Sambo went on, and by and by, he met another tiger who wanted to eat him up. Oh, please, Mr. Tiger, don't eat me up, and I'll give you my little purple shoes with crimson soles and crimson linings. But the tiger said, what use, would you, what, would, what use would your shoes be to me? I've got four feet and you've got only two. You haven't enough shoes for me. You can wear them on your ears, he replied. So the tiger put poor black Sambo's beautiful shoes on his ears and was left to, of the tiger's, he said, uh-oh. Let's see, it's, it's four, and then it goes right to the end of six to seven. All right, it appears that I'm missing, <laughs> it appears that I'm missing a, a page here. Yeah, I could see. Somebody must have cut out a valuable coupon. So it's missing one set of the fold-out. This isn't really a booklet. This one's a fold-out. Normally, they're, they're booklets, uh, folded, folded booklets. This one is a pull-out, and it uh, appears that I'm missing... Uh, the end of slide four, and then slide five, and then, and then the beginning of slide six. So fortunately, I know the story of Little Black Sambo. So I put it on his ears, and I'm sure he said, now I'm the grandest tiger in the jungle, and he pranced around. So what does Little Black Sambo have left that he's wearing? <laughs> uh, no, he has his umbrella. So by and by, I guess I'm Really, by and by, little black sambo continues. To, I guess I could look at the reel. Uh, five, five says the tigers try to eat up each other. Oh, that's getting ahead of itself. So at the end of four, it must be that sambo runs into another tiger and he wants to eat him up. And little black sambo says, "I'll give you my beautiful." The green umbrella? My beautiful green umbrella. And the tiger's like, well, what the fuck? I, I, how am I going to, what am I going to use with an umbrella? 
And Little Black Sambo says, uh, well, you can hold it in your tail and then walk around like that, like the mummers or something. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, he thinks he's the grandest in the jungle. So now Little Black Sambo doesn't have any of the stuff that his parents got for him or made for him. And, you know, he's kind of bummed out. He's going to get in trouble. You know, when he gets home, he's going to get a licking. So if I read this, oh, pardon me, burp. A lot of burps today. Um, uh, slide number five says, foot eight, oh, fairy tale eight, um, Tigers try to each eat each other up. So the tigers all sort of bump into each other, I, I, I think. And they're all saying that they're the grandest tiger, of course. And now they're having an argument about who's the grandest, grandest tiger. And they sort of forget all about little Black Sambo. Little Black Sambo's already, you know, sitting around crying. Wow, then it goes right into, right into the payoff in, in slide six. So I have to just make up the whole rest. I should just tell you the whole rest of this before we get into that. So they, they start running around. They might chase Sambo for a little bit. I don't recall. But all I know is Sambo's out of way. He's, he's worried because these tigers are chasing each other around the tree. And they're ripping at each other. And they end up tearing their clothes off. And like Sambo's like, oh, my God, I'm going to go pick this stuff up because now I didn't lose shit. You know, now I'm good. He got all his clothes on. And in the meantime... The tigers are running, 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 running around the tree faster and faster and faster until you couldn't see where one tiger ended and another tiger began. And, uh, okay, so I see where this, this uh, picks back up. And they run around so fast, and they're, they're yellowish, the tigers, you know, they're yellowish-orange type of thing, but in this case, they're supposed to be yellowish. And they run around so fast that they eventually melt into a giant, a giant ring of butter at the bottom of a tree. I think it was a palm tree. So <laughs> the tigers melt into butter. And the, here's where it picks off. What's left of the tigers, he said. Oh, this must be uh, Black Jumbo. Because he comes to, he comes to pick up... Uh, no. Uh, I can't remember. I think this is black. I think this is black. Jumbo comes, and he spots this with a little black Sambo. I don't think black Sambo picks up the butter himself. It's a big, big, fucking shitload of butter. You know, it's four or five tigers running around. Um, and he said, "Oh, what lovely, oh, what lovely melted butter! I'll take that home to Black Mumbo." And then scene seven. Or we wrap it up. And this was one of my favorite parts of the, the comic strip. When Black, when Black Mumbo saw the black... <laughs> this is normally how the, the reading goes. Remember, I'm dyslexic and I can't read. When Black Mumbo saw the melted butter, wasn't she pleased? Now, she said, we'll have... We'll have... We'll all have pancakes for supper. She made a huge big plate of pancakes and fried them in melted butter. And they were just as yellow and brown as the little tigers. Black Mumbo ate 27 pancakes. Black Jumbo ate 55. But little Black Sambo ate 169 pancakes because he was so hungry. The end. Indeed. 
I, I talked to my aunt about uh, Little Black Sambo because, I, I, as I said, I mentioned it to a few people about what my next read on uh, Wiggly's Book Club was. And I, 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 need, I wanted to wait until I had some setup, some sense of what Wiggly's Book Club would be. And, it, you know, it's kind of free. And I, I read a lot of things that I hope that you don't have. Now, of course, uh, I thought, well, no one's going to have Little Black Sambo because, you know, they haven't made this for for so long and I remembered oh yeah the internet how about that how about that you could probably go see it now you might not be able to see the soupy sales books and uh, the sex to sexy books and things like that so I try to pick or the Fonzie magazines so I try to pick things that you're not going to run into in daily life and I, I thought this would be one until I you know said it out loud and now I realize that uh, you, you could probably find this story very easily but I wanted to, um, you know, explore with you, discover it with you, my interaction with Little Black Sambo and how, I mean, nothing of this screams black exploitation or, or uh, black defaming or defiling or um, making someone less than human. In fact, there's, there's absolutely nothing in here except for the name. Uh, and and of course how these these characters are are drawn, but there's nothing in the story that would implicate it as being even you know a kid uh, that uh, any type of kid you know any type of kid. If his name was just Little Sambo, that would be fine. In fact, I think they tried to change the name of Sambo's to something else but it, it was too late it was far too late because now we're coming out of the 60s um the civil rights movements were coming into the 70s where you know well actually what happened is they tried to bring this shit northeast and that wasn't flying with anybody you know they didn't see the charm in it i believe it started in california i could be mistaken there i know there's still a little black samples in california but there they'll feature the artwork of both a little boy wearing a turban who's lighter skinned and then the more um racial type of drawing of little black sample but I, I talked to my aunt and now she's um She's in her 50s. I think she just turned 60, actually. Um, well, I know she did because she had her 60th birthday here in Sloppy Joe's. And <clears throat> she remembers. I said, how about, you know, remember Little Black Sambo goes, I love the part where the tigers melt into butter. And that's what people take away from this. They take away the scene where the tigers melt into a pool of butter. Now, what the? F how the fuck do tigers melt into butter? Nobody knows. <laughs> But yet, that's the that's the thing that people like about this. They don't think it. I mean, yeah, it's so weird when we think about it now. But when we were kids, for some reason, we loved that they melted into butter. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't tigers melt into butter? And you could eat a hundred. And I have to get this exact number right because that is uh, the only reason that he ate uh, one hundred and sixty nine pancakes was because he was so hungry. You know, normally, he stops at 130, 140, but here he was hungry from uh, getting stressed out from losing all his clothes. 169 pancakes. God bless him. God bless America. Well, I hope that uh, that was enjoyable for you. Next, next, you know, next time we'll look at some fucking comic book or something. Actually, I have I have some good things planned uh, on the in the queue ahead. Remember, this show is to 
to examine what is lying around the Trapdoor Mansion library and bring some things to the listeners here that I think they would enjoy because I enjoy them and I think they're uh, rare. So we're going to go at least to 45. Thank you, 4235. Back to me in the studio. We hope you've enjoyed tonight's reading. To own your own Viewmaster reel of Little Black Sambo, you can check eBay or just Google it, I would think. The management would also like to apologize. Today's super secret surprise guest, Chevy Chase, cannot be on the program because he's Chevy Chase and you're not. For Wiggly and the entire crew at Wiggly's Book Club, I'm Wiggly. And remember, kids, rip. Reading is fundamental.